0: Well, as a society, we don't do waiting very well, do we? One of the big selling points of Amazon Prime is its same-day delivery service, a million items delivered before bedtime, so the ad goes. And I challenge each one of you, when you reach the supermarket tills, how many of you do the mental calculation of the number of people in the queue multiplied by the number of items in their trolleys to give you a couple of minutes saved queuing by choosing the right queue. Anyone not do that? (laughs) But how about going down a deeper level, the really skillful of you at this will also factor in the competence of the checkout operator as well. (laughs) I know I do, and I bet a lot of you do too. Yeah, okay, they're trivial examples. Um, They're short-term examples But in our culture today, we're always trying to reduce waiting time. It's a, you know, let's get it now society. But the reality is actually that we spend quite a large portion of our lives waiting. And there are some periods of waiting that are a lot harder than others. Now, we don't find it too hard to wait for something hopeful or exciting, um, we are expecting a second grandchild in um, January. And, uh, you know, that's we might say, oh, I just can't wait till January. But that's a sort of hopeful kind of waiting. And we, we manage that sort of waiting well. But there are other sort of waiting times that are quite hard. And just give a few examples. Waiting for the results of medical tests that will determine the shape or even the length of our lives, waiting to find employment, or maybe waiting to find a new job, if you're in a job that is really you're really desperately unhappy in, waiting alongside a loved one who's suffering in circumstances that we're powerless to change. Make no mistake, that sort of waiting is really tough. Your life can just seem to be on hold. You can be, feel as if you're just existing. You're not really living. All your energy is focused on waiting for that situation to resolve. It can be a time when God can feel a long way away and we can feel forgotten by him. Now the backdrop to our passage today is the waiting time of Joseph as we find him in prison his marking time, if you like, really with very little realistic hope of freedom. Where was God in that place? Now, we're going to be looking at ways in which God was working. He was working in and through God's, uh, in, in and through Joseph's life in this waiting place. And I hope that in so doing, we'll be able to find some help for ourselves in our own tough waiting places. I think it's easy to gloss over the length of time that Joseph had to wait until God's promises to him, given him in a dream at the age of 17, when those promises would actually come about. He was imprisoned and sold to the Egyptians by his brothers Things go well in Egypt for a time, but as we saw last week, Joseph was unjustly accused of trying to seduce his master's wife, and he lands up in prison again. Twelve years have passed since that original dream, and here he was in prison with a possible death sentence hanging over him. Where were God's promises now? I think Joseph might well have been tempted to despair, But instead, we see three things happening whilst Joseph was in prison. We see Joseph's character developing. We see his confidence in God remaining strong. And we see his integrity growing in prison. So first, let's have a look and see how Joseph's character develops. Because the Joseph that we see in the Egyptian prison is a very different Joseph from the one that we were introduced to in Genesis chapter 37. Young Joseph, Joseph his father's favorite, Joseph with the amazing technicolor dream coat, he was something of a spoilt brat, if we're honest. He told tales on his brother, he was always boasting about the dreams that God had given him, indicating that he would rule over them all. But Joseph's character had been refined by all the suffering his brothers had caused him, sold as a slave in Egypt. In spite of all those hard circumstances, he kept his faith and his principles. He resisted the advances of his master's wife, even if the outcome was imprisonment for him. And whilst he was a prisoner, he used his time as well as he could. And we... um, find at the end of chapter 39 that he actually ends up caring for the other prisoners, being sort of put in charge of them, if you like, even though he was a captive himself. And I think that verses 6 and 7 in our passage today are actually quite telling because we read that Joseph noticed that two of his fellow prisoners were looking dejected. And he asked them what the matter was. So far from turning inwards in despair whilst he waited in prison, Joseph was outward-looking, and he cared for other people. Well, why did Joseph's character develop in this way? I think the answer to this question is the second thing that we notice about Joseph in prison, because it's Joseph's confidence in God that seemed to grow in this time. It's only implicit in this story, but I think that it is clear Joseph had a sure confidence that God would eventually fulfill his promises to him, even though it looked unlikely at the present time. And I think it was that that kept him going. That was what kept him outward looking. And we see this confidence in the way that he offered to interpret the chief cupbearer and baker's dreams. Because in Egypt, dreams were seen as really significant, and there was a whole raft of expert interpreters who were part of the Egyptian culture, to interpret your dreams for you. Now, Joseph was no professional interpreter. So a key verse in this chapter is verse 8, when Joseph says, do not all interpretations come from God? Now, Joseph was remembering that personal experience of God speaking to him in a dream 12 years ago. He was confident that God had given him the interpretation of his own dream as a young man. And so he was confident that God would also give him the interpretation to the cupbearer and the baker's dream. Now, the last thing that we observe about Joseph in prison is his integrity. Joseph was actually faced with a pretty tough task when he interpreted the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. Now, when Pharaoh got a stomach ache, the most likely suspects were the people who supplied him his food and drink. So we can speculate that the cupbearer and the baker were both accused of poisoning Pharaoh. And that would have been a hanging offense um, if they had been proven guilty. Now, for the cupbearer, the interpretation of the dream was good news. He'd be set free and his job would be restored. But for the baker, it was the opposite. He was going to be condemned to die. Now, Joseph spoke the interpretations of both those dreams with honesty and integrity. He remained true to God, and he wasn't afraid of passing on what God had revealed to him, even though it was bad news for the baker. And we read that these things that Joseph predicted indeed did come to pass, Joseph's Joseph's integrity was vindicated, even though his circumstances were unchanged. It was actually two more years before he left that prison. So, whilst Joseph was languishing in prison, when nothing seemed to be happening to him, we see his character being built up, his confidence in God growing, and his integrity once more clearly demonstrated in the way that he interpreted those two servants' dreams so how much Joseph's experience and actions whilst he waited in prison inform our own waiting times Joseph was doing God's work in his this waiting time yet his circumstances didn't change we of course have the benefit of knowing the end of the story of Joseph when God's promises to him were fulfilled But in our own lives, of course, we don't have that advantage. And in the hard places of waiting, when we're powerless to change our circumstances, it can sometimes be a struggle to look forward with any degree of hope. I'd like to offer just a few thoughts drawn from Joseph's experiences. And the first one is that in those hard places... We need to see beyond the present. It's in a rear-view mirror that we can see God's work most clearly. Let's have a think about it. A rearview mirror. We can see God's work most clearly. Joseph's faith was sustained by seeing God clearly in his dreams as a young man, and it was that that gave him confidence in God. And confidence about his future. When we're caught in a tough place of waiting, it can be easy to lose our sense of perspective and not see beyond our immediate circumstances. And one of the ways, the best ways of gaining perspective, is to look backwards through that rearview mirror and remember the times when we knew that God was real and that he was at work in our lives. God's timescales are often much longer than the ones that we have and um, much longer than perhaps our impatience would like. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. They were vital, formative years of character building that uniquely qualified him to lead South Africa out of that prison of apartheid. On his release, he said as I walked out of the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Christ waited 30 years before the time was right for him to begin his public ministry. God's perspectives are much larger than ours. Secondly, I think we need to hold on to God's promises, as Joseph did. Now, the Bible is a really rich source of God's promises that will help us to get through times of struggle or disappointment, promises that will give us hope for the future in seasons of waiting and encourage us in the present moment. Now, it could be that you're here today because you're seeking God and you're waiting to find him. Jesus promised us that if we seek, we will find him. And if, as it were, we knock on God's door, then the door will be opened. It could be that your circumstances are such that you feel alone, forgotten by God, frightened for the future. And the Lord said, the prophet Isaiah said this in the Old Testament, God said, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. On the reverse side of the sermon handout, I've printed out just a few of the many rich promises that the Bible has. Do take them away and just use them as a resource if times are difficult for you. One or other of those might just speak into your circumstances today. Now, there's a very significant subplot going on in this part of the story. Joseph asked the, the cupbearer to put in a good word with him uh, for, for him, with Pharaoh, when he gained his freedom, so that Joseph too might possibly be freed in the future. But we read in the last verse in chapter 40. 40, The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now we might feel or even be abandoned by others. But we're never abandoned by God. And for Joseph, of course, we will see that borne out in the next few weeks. So in that knowledge that head knowledge, if you like, that we are never forgotten by God. A third way that we can use our times of waiting when life seems to be on hold is to deliberately turn to God rather than turn away from him. And praying the Psalms is a great way of telling God honestly how it is for us. King David, who wrote many of the Psalms when he was in difficulty, didn't mince his words. He told God like it was, And psalms give us permission, both permission and encouragement, to cry out to God and tell him just how we really feel. And they also give us some words to say when we've run out of our own words. Some of the psalms that we used in our sermon series will be a good place to start, the one in the sermon series in the summer. We have a God who perfectly understands us because he has suffered with, with us, and for us. Now remember Jesus' words, his cry from the cross as he was dying. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was praying the words of Psalm 22. Now there might be, however, times when all of these suggestions are just too much for us and at those times we can be helped by the prayers of others sharing our burdens as fellow members of the Christian community I've so often heard people say to me in tough situations I felt so helped and carried by other people's prayers and it's certainly something that I can personally vouch for now We've got an opportunity in this service to be helped by the prayers of others. And later in the service, members of our prayer ministry team will be on hand to pray with you in confidence should you, for any reason, wish to share your burdens and help you draw nearer to God in your situation. So do take up that offer if it's something that's on your heart at the moment. Because waiting times can be really hard. At the end of our passage today, we leave Joseph forgotten by the cupbearer and left in prison. He had to remain there for another two years. We don't always have a resolution, but God is at work in the processes of our lives, in the waiting places as well as in the resolutions. He can use our times of waiting to enrich us because If we can but recognize it, during this waiting time, we remain enfolded in his loving purposes. Now, waiting times can be times of growth. Now, I'd like to end with just a brief personal testimony. Those of you who are long-time members of HTC may remember that 20-odd years ago, I had breast cancer. And at that time, um, the NHS waiting times for surgery were not nearly as good as they are now, and it was five weeks from diagnosis of the cancer until surgery, and then actually a number of months before I knew whether or not the cancer had spread. And I still vividly remember that waiting time, how difficult it was. But if I look in that rearview mirror, I can see God's activity in my life so clearly at that time. I've been a Christian for many years, but life had been good, and I hadn't had, actually had to face any situations where I really needed to rely on God to get me through. But in that waiting time, when I did really need him, and I turned to him and he met with me, as I turned towards him now I won't pretend that I didn't have times of huge anxiety about the future and what it might hold, our family was quite young at that time but at a deeper level I somehow knew that I was being held by God and in the words of that medieval mystic Julian of Norwich all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well I can remember how comforting certain passages of Scripture were to me at the time, how important they were. And I can also remember how important other people's prayers were. In fact, I can remember kneeling at that rail just there, and it was just about in that, in that, that place, whilst people prayed for for, um, for me, and how helpful. That was, we, we did prayer ministry rather differently um, in those days, and it was in the context of a communion service. And I think that I can honestly say that if it hadn't been for that tough experience in my, my life, those difficult days of waiting, when I found God in a new way, and what I learned through that subsequently If it hadn't been for that experience, I probably wouldn't be here speaking to you today as a minister at HTC. God is with us in our times of waiting. I can personally vouch for that. And as Paul said in one of the verses, Overleaf, nothing can separate us from his love. Whatever the circumstances of our lives, God's promises are that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He can use our waiting times for his loving purposes, refining our characters, deepening our relationship with him, giving us his hope as we face our futures with him. Amen.